Guess what? I'm moving country again. I don't know. Maybe a year. Maybe more. Where's home? Home's everywhere. I'm an expat. Hello, it's Pauline. Welcome to a new episode of Meet the Expats. Today I meet with Anne, who's now in France for over 10 years, and will tell us all about her years in voluntary work across the world, from Germany to Nepal, Zimbabwe, and many more. Hello, Anne. How are you? Hello, Pauline. I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. And I'm absolutely delighted to be here with you today. Thank you. Delighted to have you on the show also and hear about all these exotic countries to me, Nepal and Zimbabwe. (laughs) (laughs) So first, let's, I'm going to let you introduce yourself briefly to, uh, to the audience and then we'll dive straight into your voluntary work experience. Okay, so I'm Anne Collins and, uh, I am the mum to two um, feminist little girls who, uh, oh. <laughs> who keep me keep me on my toes, and I have a wonderful time with them. I'm also um, wife to Dermot, who's from Northern Ireland, and uh, we've uh, we've been living in France now, as you say, for over ten years. And uh, before that, we we lived in the UK, and I'm I'm British, and I started my started my career as a teacher. And, uh, and did a lot of work. I've always really been in education in various forms, working in special needs, working in various different, different types of schools with uh, lots of different age groups as well. And right. uh, here in France, I'm working with adults. And recently okay. I trained as, as a coach. So now I'm also working as an executive and leadership coach. So kind of bringing together a lot of my experiences in education, in leadership um, and personal development and bringing it all together in a way that I, I hadn't planned. Um, but uh, <laughs> certainly with, uh, with the voluntary work, as you said, with the voluntary work with my with my paid work as well and just with with general life experiences that's kind of brought me to where I am today okay so quite a journey let's start directly with how your first experiences abroad started and how you actually used voluntary work to be a way to go abroad yeah, sure. Well, in fact, my voluntary work has has really always been a part of my life, and um, really from the age of, from the age of fifteen, in fact, um, I was I was doing voluntary work. I used to go to a hospital and help out. Uh, on the on the wards there for for old people, and it was part of the Duke of Edinburgh scheme, which is a scheme okay. that your listeners in the UK will know about. And that's kind of where it started. And then when I when I finished my A levels or before finishing A levels, I I wanted to have a year out, and I I knew that I wanted to do something in education, and so I I looked around and the there were so many opportunities, so many amazing opportunities. I was very lucky to to get an opportunity to firstly go to Germany and to work as a volunteer in a hospital on a children's okay. ward. And there, uh, the the aim was to to work with the children and to to be a kind of a, a little bit of light entertainment, really, for the children right. in in this hospital ward. And then from there, I went to Zimbabwe and worked uh, in a children's home. And again, I was uh, in education uh, straight away from the age of eighteen, <laughs> and uh, and working with uh, working with children and um, to help them with their English to to really try to try to give them a good start in in their school career, even though in their in their lives more generally it was pretty tough for them. So that's where it all started, and and there I I discovered firstly that I I just loved. I loved being able to meet uh, different different people to discover new cultures. I loved 
trying to be useful I, I would yeah. say that uh, you know I think in any in any kind of voluntary work uh, I think we very quickly learn that what we what we give is is one thing but what we learn is is usually so much more so yeah. I I really I loved the fact that uh, I, I was able to contribute something but I also yeah. love the fact that I, I was learning and uh, and and experiencing such a, such amazing amazing things and, and meeting such wonderful people. To be honest, yeah, it's, you, you, it's you do you get a lot of just giving. You do you get so much back. With the reward is is huge. Absolutely, and I think when you meet people who are who are working all the time in those situations, I, I remember very clearly the the people who were working all the time in the children's home, for example the personal qualities that they have the the patience the determination the perseverance that ability to to continue when when things are really mm. difficult and i think yeah. i i learned a lot at that age and i continue to learn as well and maybe as i get older i maybe i'm even more aware of how amazing that um people are in in difficult situations so Yes, yeah, so that voluntary that voluntary work has become very much a part of a part of my life, and I've been lucky enough to have the opportunity to travel at at the same time. Yeah, quite impressive. So, how did you organize these these trips? What organizations or um, foundations did you did you go through? That's it's uh, yeah it's it's interesting they there've been a, a variety of things the 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 short the short trip to germany was actually through a personal contact a friend of a friend and um, the trip to zimbabwe um was through the a jesuit mission um yes. which was again through a, a friend as well and then later on when i went to when i went to nepal for 3 years and um, that uh, the first part of that was with vso which is voluntary okay. service overseas so that's uh, that's uh, an international organization that's run uh, from the UK and mm. uh, so that was that was a slightly different slightly different thing and then when I've done voluntary work in other places back in the UK for example I was a governor in a school for 10 years so that was part of the school structure and here in France where where I've done some voluntary work it's it's also been part of uh, part of schools or part of, or part of the church as well so a variety variety of things yes variety of organizations okay. and what always what is that thing that drove you abroad because obviously you can do it around the UK but why why does will to do it somewhere else yeah it's a very good question and I think uh, you know I think at the age of 18 it was the excitement of traveling and mm. the excitement of uh, discovering uh, a new a new country the, the excitement of learning a new language certainly going to Germany awesome. that was that was a large part of my motivation was I really wanted to learn German <laughs> and so that was that was a large part of it when uh, when it was uh, when it was really the work uh, in in Nepal and that work with uh, with VSO that was a little bit different because there I was I was absolutely fascinated by the by the type of by the type of work that I was going to be doing and okay. it was it's it's very it's it's very different in a way because it was it was all about doing advocacy work for girls education in particular looking at the quality of education how to how to improve the the support for teachers and and I'm a real 
advocate of girls' education and also right. uh, for, for women too, for, for women to have access to, to great educational opportunities as well for their careers. And so that's something that's always been very important for me. And as we know that in, in, many, in many countries, in, ve- in very many developing countries, and still education for girls and women is uh, we've made a lot of progress but there's uh, but, there's yeah, still there's still work to do so i would say for me was, yes yes and so <laughs> for me uh, um girls education has been has been really a, a big part of my mission i would say mm. now that's certainly not to say that uh, there isn't work to do in in the UK and when I was there I worked a lot in special needs and working with children who needed additional help and families who needed additional support in schools so there's been a sort of a theme I I suppose in my work and that's and that's also um, spilled over into my voluntary work. Okay coming back to the VSO how does that work exactly? So VSO is uh, is an organisation that uses partnerships. So in fact, um, the the government the government of Nepal made a request for for a volunteer to come to, to work in the Ministry of Education, and they make a request for a volunteer. And that volunteer needs to be someone who has who has got relevant work experience, who can okay. um, who can give something it's not a volunteer of it's not an 18 year old um but it's also it's 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 voluntary in the sense that you you go and you you provide you provide a service as much as as you can and and you get a local salary so it's not the same as working for um for example a big international um development organization where you're you're on a different different kind of salary so but it's not it's you're not working for nothing either but that's right. actually very nice because there is a there is this knowledge amongst everybody that that yeah. you're on a local salary so and you're living a kind of you've got a local the standard local of life. living yes yeah yes. i guess you blend in a lot more than if you're on the real even though there's less and less of those but the real expat contracts yes. where yes. you moved with a company and they do your whole relocation and you're on completely different terms it yeah it must be quite interesting and does it help you actually connect a lot more also with locals the organization you were in who were you yes I think working with in terms of profiles I think in terms I think the the money side actually in a probably didn't change that much we I, I think what did make a difference was that with VSO there's a there's a huge emphasis on learning the language so mm. we had 3 months of language training and oh, wow. that was that was a gift really a gift because many many of my colleagues who worked for other organizations they were able to have language training many of them but they they didn't have that luxury of 3 months of uh, of intensive right. language training but i think that shows also the the very strong um, ethos of vso that you're really mm. there you're there to serve you're there to learn you're there there to um, to to really integrate as much as possible, and and le- and obviously learning the language is absolutely key. So I think the ethos of VSO enabled that connection and and facilitated that connection, and and also we had a counterpart, which often uh, people who work in other organisations also they have that, but the the, the that part of the work was very important, working really yeah. alongside a, count- a counterpart and uh, being accountable to them. And, right. and I think that makes for a very interesting dynamic and effective work in, in many ways. It's not always that easy, but, uh, you know, things are things are not perhaps as straightforward as that as that sounds. But uh, 
I think the ethos of VSO generally was um, was was really along those lines of connection, about learning from each other. It's um, and and serving, but it, but equally uh, in a in an equal relationship, which uh, personally I I really I really appreciated and and enjoyed that. Right. And what about life in Nepal? What is that like? I mean, I have this image of the people going to Nepal to to climb Mount Everest or more around the, the temples and the whole meditation and religious piece. But what about day-to-day life? Yes, I mean the Nepal is all of that. It it yeah. is definitely you know the, the mountains, the, the the tourism is is obviously a very important part for people. But for my daily life, um, it was busy. I mean, I <laughs> I, you know, I was living I was living in Kathmandu, and and Kathmandu is a I mean even that was you know fifteen twenty years ago it was it was busy and uh, and kind of energetic place and so the morning would start with getting on the getting on the bus it was like it was like a school bus but it was a government bus going going out okay. to the ministry and uh, and full of chat there lots and lots of chat because uh, I think that people in Nepal and like like anywhere I, I guess but people are they're really happy to happy to talk and to mm. to chat about uh, uh, their lives, their families. So there was a, there was a great community there, even on the bus. So the day started well, <laughs> and then uh, I would I would arrive in the office and uh, meet my meet my colleagues, and um, often have a cup of tea at some point. Having tea was very important, and uh, and there the the day in the office was probably very similar, very similar to your day in an office. Um, then lunch times as well were very sociable. I would say the sociability was was really something that stood out for me, and that okay. and that was very important. And I think coming from a British background, where we often we often grab lunch very very quickly, mm. we maybe eat it in front of a computer. I know it's not the same in France, and I love that. No. I love long lunches <laughs> in France, and uh, but in the UK there is a tendency, and I think as a teacher in the UK, certainly we would often be eating and marking work and having meetings, mm. and and uh, depending on the school, of course, but. Uh, it's that the time to to talk to people was not always easy to find. Now in, the, right. in Nepal, what I found was that, that that time spent with people, having a cup of tea, having having a meal together, that was really important time. And and it took me it took me time to realize that and to okay. learn that that's where the the valuable communication happened and where I could make solid relationships so I think that's a a very important part of everyday life for me personally I had a lot of friends in Kathmandu I was uh, I was very lucky to be invited to colleagues homes and uh, to to also to go out with other other volunteers there was a great volunteer community so we had quite a quite a social life as well which was great fun and uh, yes I, I mean in Kathmandu is a is a is a wonderful is a wonderful place you know restaurants and restaurants and bars and clubs and all of that kind of nightlife as well which right. I I was at that point I was at the age where I could stay up beyond midnight (laughs) so no it was it was great and then when when people visited and I was lucky enough to have a lot of Mm. a lot of visitors and I would also get to enjoy the mountains yeah 
for my own work, I did go. I did go to the mountains a fair bit as well. I was very lucky to be able to visit some rural schools, and and that was that was amazing because it's not like trekking when you're on yeah. holiday. Uh, that was really walking for two or three days with a rucksack to go and spend time with with some teachers in a school to talk to them to find out what what they needed, what uh, what kind of extra support would would be useful for them, and to really learn about what they faced in their everyday lives as teachers. So that was amazing. For me, I I think that uh, out of all the work that I did, it was those field trips that that were probably the highlight for me. Yes. Okay. What were some of the challenges that they faced that could have been different to the UK or a a different country? Yes, that's a very, very good question. I think one of the main challenges... Very, very simple things, just not having toilets that work in, mm. the, in the school. Yeah. And you think, well, that is a real barrier. It's a That's real barrier a real for issue. children, yeah. but it's also a real barrier for teachers as well. Yeah. So the basics, that basic level of comfort just to be able to work effectively, that would be one thing that, that struck me that was, um, that was often, it was on the list of things to do, but it was easy for it not to be on the list. But when you visit, yeah. you could really understand that very clearly. Right. It had to be a priority. Was, yeah, the, and the other thing that was, I think, was a real challenge was uh, the this idea of of, uh, of what I would call present absenteeism. So pe- mm. teachers were teachers were there, but they had maybe classes of eighty children. Well, if right. you have a class of eighty five year olds. How effective can you be? Yeah, and you're, and you're, you, it's very, very difficult. So I think those, it's, it's the very practical stuff that was, yeah. that was very hard. And then on top of that, you, you've got a lot of barriers in terms of, should girls be going to school anyway? Should they have, right. uh, should they have support to continue to, to go to school when really maybe uh, the families should feel that they should be, they should be at working home and helping them. out and working. And then also for, for female teachers, how do you manage having a family and also working? There's okay. lots of very, very practical things. Now, I'm sure mm. some, of that, some of that will have changed in the last 15 years. But I, but I, I think uh, I, I'm sure that there is, still, there is still work to do. And I imagine with the pandemic at the moment in Nepal, I, I would think that the challenges, the challenges are going to be, they are going to be mm. much more difficult than for, for, other, for other places. Yes, when you haven't got medical, medical help in, in the village yeah. or in the, in the town that's nearby. Do you still open the schools? That kind of, I can imagine that the practicalities, everything is just more difficult, I would say. Yeah. Okay. What what did you do after after your experience in Nepal? And how how long was that experience actually? So that was uh, it was three years. I was I was okay. working for three years in Nepal. Firstly, as a volunteer with VSO, and then I worked for UNICEF as a consultant, okay. but also in Nepal. And that so I guess you proactively decided you wanted to stay. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, yes. No, I was, I was very happy. I was, I was offered, uh, I was offered the consultancy, and I was very happy to to have the opportunity to to stay on and to also to work in a slightly different, in the same in the same area, still in yeah. education, but it was early childhood development. Um, but I was very happy to be able to continue continue that work. That I was uh, very excited to do that. Yeah. Okay, and 
what made you come to that point saying to say, well, okay, now it's time to leave Nepal? Yes, I'm not sure I wanted to leave, to be honest. Okay. I think uh, it, it came to the end of the contract and uh, right. and I thought, well, you know, I, I didn't want to leave. But at the same time, I knew I needed to um, maybe uh, move on with uh, move on with my career as well. And and at the time, in fact, I started a, a PhD looking at uh, girls education in Nepal. So I, I started that. I came back to the UK, continued with that and worked at the same time as a teacher. So I went back into okay. teaching and I was studying at the same time. In fact, PhD life didn't really suit me. So <laughs> I, I soon went back into teaching. I've, right. I'm better being with people. Yes, yeah. I love studying. I know it's not for everyone. I, could, I probably could not do PhD. Yes. <laughs> I love doing the research for a short amount of time, but um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't quite for me. But I, I, I got a lot from it. But I was very happy also to go back into the classroom. And I was extremely lucky that the school where I had worked previous, uh, previously had a need for a teacher. And so I kind of just walked back into a, 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 wonderful, a wonderful job. So I was very happy. Nice. Okay. So this is the piece where yeah you had decided to go, and then you mentioned that you you met your husband and you moved uh, with him. So how how did you adjust to this shift? So you had moved before; it was always your choice, um, and you were proactive in this. How did you suddenly move to sort of the passive and the trading seat? Yes, yes, it's an interesting one. I'm not sure. I'm not sure my husband would agree that I'm the passive one. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, certainly I know what you mean, yes. And uh, well, in fact, we had already decided that we wanted to have an experience overseas with with the children being small. We thought, well, it would be great to have an experience as a family for maybe two or three years. Um, But we weren't sure where. And in fact, we'd imagined possibly going, going back to Asia somewhere. But we hadn't really hadn't really got any fixed ideas about that. But we also knew that we wanted we wanted the children to have an opportunity to learn another language if possible. And and we didn't think much more of it. And then my husband was very lucky in that somebody, an ex-colleague of his, contacted him saying that there was a job in France and uh, would he like to apply for it? And so we we thought, well, gosh, we hadn't really imagined France. It's, uh, I mean, I love France, but uh, yes, it's not it's not maybe as exotic as exotic, going, yeah. going to Nepal. <laughs> but I, you know, I love it. And so we thought, well, maybe uh, why not? And in fact, we'd already we'd already looked at another another couple of jobs overseas and decided they weren't really for us. And okay. this one, this one, we, we thought this looked really great. And we decided, well, we would come and for two years, two years was the plan, three mm. maximum, we thought. Yeah. And, uh, and here we are, 10 years later, I'd say we're, we're immigrants now. We're no longer, <laughs> we're no longer expats. But yes, yeah, so I, I'm not sure I'm going back to your question. It was very much a joint decision, even though we were following my yeah. husband's work. But it, what is yeah. uh, what is interesting, I think, is that you know at that point I was still I was still at home with uh, with two very young children. My youngest was only eighteen months when we arrived, so I, I hadn't been working for for a while. And so when we arrived right. here, I still was I was still in that mode. And as as you know, the French system very well, you know, in maternelle. If you're doing yeah. you're doing the school run at eight thirty and then again at eleven thirty and then again at uh, one thirty oh, and again yeah. at four o'clock or whatever it is, there's it's cannot. not very easy to work in those hours unless you exactly. um, 
yeah. you know, unless you go, unless you do the whole lunchtime thing at school as well. So, so I, I, I embrace that and, uh, and try to, try to really put my efforts into learning French and meeting people and really enjoying being here and learning how to, learning how to cook French food, which I've really enjoyed. <laughs> and, and then when the children started going to school where I could, I was happy to leave them for, uh, for the, for the lunchtime, which, which by the way, they absolutely adore the canteen because you get so, so you get four courses, which is amazing. And yeah. uh, so when that happened, I realized, well, then it's go, it was my turn then to, to set up my own business and to start working so it was then that I set up my language school for adults in fact but yes it's 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 an interesting transition from Mm. so certainly going for voluntary work and being part of a big organization and to being a family who arrived Um, but I think that's that brought its own joys in fact because I think we were able to connect very quickly with people just by the fact really? of having young children, I think that made a big, yeah. big difference, you know? As, I think as soon as they start going to school, you can meet the parents and it, it makes things a little bit easier. Absolutely. And I was I was very lucky because I met, I met a wonderful lady called Ud and, uh, and I asked her if I could have cooking lessons and I couldn't speak much French. Oh. And I thought this will be the perfect way to motivate me because I do, yeah. I do love her. I do love French cooking and, and I love the, the day-to-day French cooking, in fact. And so every Monday right. night I went to her house and we cooked together. So she showed me how to cook. So obviously this was all in French. So I was having to concentrate a lot and then when we'd finished cooking she would dictate the recipe to me and so I I was I oh. learned so much and I had such a lovely time I can imagine yeah, I loved it and yeah it's an intense Monday yes. evening but so the lunch was done for Tuesday and uh, I made a wonderful friend and we're, we're still very much in contact now and uh, you know she's a very dear friend and I, I think that finding connecting over a passion and learning a language mm. and and I think that people are so kind, in fact, and they they want to they want to help. And uh, and I've, yeah. I think we've been very very fortunate here in in Belfort, which is a small small little town, um, just on the on the east in the east of France. And we're known as uh, les Anglais, so we are the English. <laughs> and uh, and we've we've really been taken taken under the wings, I think, of the of the town. And uh, we've uh, we've been very fortunate. Um, so it's been a, it's been a great experience yes yeah so what are some french dishes that she taught you or that you like are now sort of you've integrated a lot or use a lot or your favorite oh yes well oh, there are, there are lots actually oh lots of different things like uh, filet mignon I love that. That's so yeah. nice. And um, what else did I do with her? Oh, lots of beautiful desserts. Uh, Charlotte. I love Charlotte and Ooh, it's so easy nice. and absolutely delicious. And then we did uh, we did lots of very, very basic things like Achille Parmentier, which is very interesting because yeah. it's is I, I remember saying to her, oh, it's just shepherd's pie. <laughs> so, it's shepherd's pie. It's the same. <laughs> shepherd's pie. Um, doing, so that was really interesting as well, seeing that uh, family, family French cooking, um, I, I could see the similarities as well. So, and it wasn't yeah. it wasn't as scary as I thought it was going to be. 
No, it's not. It's not complex. I like got on a day to day basis. Really. Yeah, I, and I love that. I love that. So, uh, yes. Yeah, so lots of lots of very kind of thing. The things that children like, like um, um, gratin, yeah. lots of different types of gratin. Mm. And then more, 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 slightly more complex things as well, um, or various, various tarts as well. Oh, a lovely, a lovely lemon tart. I'm, a, I'm a bit of a fan of lemon oh, yeah. tart. And yeah, uh, yes, good. yes, and uh, and of co- and of course, it's just it's nice to experiment. Just last, just a couple of weeks ago, actually, a friend um, taught me how to do brioche chinois. I don't know whether you know that. Oh. It's more of an Alsacian dish, apparently, an Alsacian cake. I don't know. I, I made brioche over lockdown, actually. It's funny because that's a thing we started with a couple of friends on Sundays when we were on full lockdown was to send out a recipe a week before and we'd all be on what's on video WhatsApp making it in our oh, own that's kitchen. Fabulous. And comparing yeah. together live. And it was actually a great moment to like connect, be doing something. We had um a, like a cake ready for the week on a Sunday uh, on a Sunday afternoon uh, and we like all living in Paris I mean we have tiny kitchens you cannot fit two people yes, cooking yes. in the kitchen so at least we each had our oh, that's space. wonderful so what did you make what was your favorite recipe well we tried uh, we made brioche yes. uh, which was funny so I got it completely wrong the first time because I didn't have the right um levure, and baking um, powder yeah baking. the raising agent yeah I had yes. the wrong one the, the and we made cheesecake and yeah, oh, it's we very good, things. very good. So, it's a place to come is, is yours on a Sunday evening, then. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that we're socializing a little more, maybe less, but uh, I'll try to keep some of it. <laughs> but I, I like that idea of actually cooking to learn a language. It's, I feel you do get piece of the culture and you learn so much in terms of vocabulary and just ways to do things both basic and a bit more technical vocabulary absolutely and I think there's something very um there's something very calming about cooking with somebody because you have little Mm. pauses and when you're learning a language you need time to think and so when you're cooking and you need to rest a little bit so you have that time and I remember I remember um having a little job to do in the kitchen with Ud. So I'd do my little job. And at the same time, I'd be trying to plan my question for her, trying yeah. to formulate it correctly. And so it gave that lovely time and lovely space to be able to think and to try out, um, try out new vocabulary, try out new phrases and structures in the language. So actually, for me, it was it was absolutely perfect. And, and what was very interesting is when I started my own language school, I've used that approach with my my adult French yeah. students so we nice. start with the first module that they do which is part of the back to basics program is all about cooking and we do it as a master oh, wow. chef kind of thing and I really yeah. I took that from my from my own experience and I think there's something about also doing something with your hands you're more relaxed and the yeah. fact that you produce something at the end it's so satisfying mm. you know you, you've learned a bit of yeah, French or English and at the end you've got something well you've got your lunch What's better than that? You've got your lunch and you can potentially share it with the people and actually have the meal. Absolutely. And the conversation about the food afterwards, there's always something to say when you're cooking. Good approach. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let's move on to the recommendations then in Belfort. Yes. This This is a difficult one. Yes. 
<laughs> too much choice. So it's too much choice. So it's one bar, one restaurant and a carte blanche. So as part of your yes. choice. So for the restaurant, we, we live, um, uh, we're on the third floor, third and fourth floor um, of in, of a building in the old town of Balfour, which is a beautiful, beautiful area. It's all historical and uh, and really pretty. So if, if any of your listeners are, are, are close to Balfour or passing through this uh, this summer, do call in. It's very, very nice. And uh, we, we're very lucky because we have a restaurant on the first floor, which is called La Fontaine des Saveurs. Oh, yeah. And uh, the, the chef there, right. Christian, is amazing. And he won a prize very recently. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very oh. traditional French French cooking. But at the same time, it's modern. The presentation is beautiful. And the food is is amazing. And the welcome is, is, always, is always good. Um, so we <laughs> love that. Nice. And they've got... Uh, well, I know they've got big plans to to hopefully be opening in the next couple of weeks, and they've got the the area outside where they've got tables and chairs, so it's perfect for okay. the summer. So that is uh, that would be my my number one. But there are many other nice restaurants as well, and I do feel very loyal <laughs> to to many of them. Um, <laughs> a favorite bar? I, can I can I choose a, a boulangerie? Because uh, it, yes, let's go for a boulangerie. The cafes. <laughs> we have a lot of really lovely cafes in Belfort and I have I have three favorite ones one is called Mon Café and it's just two seconds from from my house and you can again sit outside on the on the terrace and they they do a really delicious uh, cup of tea there which I really enjoy and then there's another one that I always call the Orange Café but it's not actually called the Orange Cafe, but, the, <laughs> but it's opposite the cathedral in the Place Dachem. And there I, I absolutely love going there and sitting in the sunshine in the morning, nine o'clock in the morning on a, on a spring or summer ah. morning. It's, it's really perfect. And again, you get a great welcome. And my third one is the, the bakery, the boulangerie, um, Francois, which is also next to the Place d'Arme. And there, well, breakfast there is, is always a treat. So that's the, my, uh, I've got three recommendations recommendations there <laughs> okay so one for each time absolutely of the yes almost yes that's a very good yes very good way of looking at it <laughs> you can go cafe yes, hopping in yes. <laughs> and then uh yes my carte blanche i think uh that would that would really have to be la planche des belles filles which is a little ski station just uh, just outside belfort it's 45 minutes away in the vosges and it is an absolute treasure um you can go in the winter and do great skiing there the the red run is 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 great it's it is very small there's only there's only a few runs but the uh, the atmosphere is great it's very friendly everybody knows everybody and the snow is often excellent when we have a lot this year this year of course we yeah. weren't able to ski but uh, there was actually a lot of snow and it's beautiful for walking as well up there and uh, and of course in the in the summertime it's it's beautiful as well and they've got a little restaurant and so it's a, it's a bit of a well-kept secret in fact when I talked about okay. it with my daughter she said oh don't tell everybody mummy please don't, don't tell do everybody <laughs> so, uh, so don't tell everybody but do do go and do go and try it keep it yeah. for yourself yes. <laughs> lovely so yeah lots of nice recommendations for Belfort and both summer and winter activities and lasting then is what is your expat song? Yes, my expat song. This was a, a very difficult one, but I I came down to um, Amazing Grace, and and the reason why okay. is that I think it's a song that really 
many people know no matter which country they're they're from and i and i love the line where it says i was blind and now i see and i think for me that is the essence mm. of living overseas of meeting people of connecting with people from different cultures and learning that that we start to see we start to see not only other people but we also start to see ourselves and every time I, every time right. i hear that song it's that line that uh, that strikes me yeah. and then there's another line as well which perhaps strikes more at the heart is all about and then i'm coming home so home is also very important to me and home is really where where people where people are that are close to me and so for me home is uh, home is definitely where the family is where friends are and that for me is now across across the world so um right. so I think that that song is is an important one for me and do you feel that having having children having your own family now sort of shifted your mindset on where you feel is home um I think what, what's interesting is I think that having certainly having children um, has changes that idea of yes home home is where I am right now with them but mm. also I think home for me is is in lots of different places now home is in home is in right. Bedford where my 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 mum and my dad and my sisters and uh, other other friends uh, other friends are but also all over the world in in Kathmandu uh, in uh, in 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 other countries all all over the place in Romania in Brazil in uh, South Africa in lots of lots of different places so for me home is where family and friends are nice well thanks so much for joining this was super interesting and uh, lots of ideas around voluntary work and also setting up your company and french cooking <laughs> thank you so much for inviting me it's been it's been great to great to chat and uh, yeah and i'm i'm looking forward to trying uh trying a brioche as well i'll let you know how i get on yeah <laughs> well it's been a pleasure guys as usual i'll link everything in the comments and if you enjoyed the episode go put a rating on apple Podcasts and stay tuned for the next one thank you pauline thank you and